Here we go into Wednesday. Welcome aboard, everybody. Thank you to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for bringing you our number one here on Steel Man and Thune on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. You can give them a call. You need to service your air conditioner before it really gets hot this summer. Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems will get that done for you, 405-579-3113. we got a lot of stuff going on. Great win for the Sooner baseball team last night. Hit five home runs in Amarillo. They beat number four, Texas Tech, 14-9. Two of those from uh, Brett Squires. Cowboys beat Wichita State again last night at O'Braid Stadium. We had the uh, some of the play-in games last night at the NBA. Good news for Thunder fans. Minnesota beat the Clippers 109-104. Now the Clippers will host either San Antonio or New Orleans in uh, that matchup Friday out in L.A. You've got the uh, Spurs and the Hornets. Uh, Spurs and uh, New Orleans, the Pelicans playing tonight, 8.30 on ESPN. The early game, the Hornets and the Hawks tonight on ESPN at 6 o'clock. Trey Young and company hosting Charlotte. So one more Clippers loss means good news for Oklahoma City. We'll talk about that coming up with Brandon Rabar at 12.35. We'll talk Sooner Spring football and a lot of it with Joe Bettner today at 1.35. JT Daniels announcing he is transferring to West Virginia. Started at SC, ended up at Georgia. And now he'll be quarterbacking uh, with the Mountaineers of West Virginia. And, Parker, you think about the uh, transfer quarterbacks, man, coming into the Big 12. you got Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma, Adrian Martinez at Kansas State, Quinn Ewers at Texas, and now JT Daniels at West Virginia. Four big names. It'll be interesting to see for me if J- JT Daniels even starts at West Virginia. Because, you know, I feel like we were having that same conversation with Austin Kendall a couple of years back, right, mm-hmm. which is – well, he's going to West Virginia. They don't got any other quarterbacks there. He's kind of going to be the guy. And then Austin Kendall wasn't. And he had to rebound at Louisiana Tech to become a full-time starter again. So I think everybody's taking it for granted that JT Daniels is going to be your next starter at West Virginia. I'll be interested to see whether that actually happens because the reality is, Mike, he hasn't been a starter yet, at no, least not on no. a long-term basis. He got beat out by a true freshman at USC in Keaton, Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis, who's going to be at Pitt, and they may face each other in the, the backyard brawl. And he ended up getting benched. For, well, not even benched. I don't think he ever started over. No, he did start over Stetson Bennett very briefly yeah. at Georgia. Didn't have a lot, though, but he was, uh, you know, had a big reputation coming out of high school, hasn't lived up to it. Jared Dagey did transfer to Western Kentucky, so we'll see if JT Daniels can win that job at West Virginia. But I want to start with another quarterback today. Uh, things changed a little bit, Parker, before the show today. I was going to talk about Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, a little bit today, but then this podcast dropped a little over an hour ago, the You Never Know podcast featuring Baker Mayfield. Ooh. And you may have seen some of the uh, the comments from uh, Jake Trotter. Now, this is about an hour and 20-minute long podcast. So I had like, you know, uh, it was about 1240 when I saw it. So I scanned through it as quickly as I could, got a couple comments for us. Jake Trotter talked about how he felt like Cleveland lied to him. What they said and what they did were totally different. He was very disappointed about that. And Baker now in a unique situation. Keep in mind, the NFL draft is two weeks from tomorrow night. And a lot of people feel, man, this could carry on past the NFL draft. Or certainly draft night, we will see. But here's what Baker said about last year being a, a very tough year for him. Physically, uh, certainly one thing with the uh, shoulder injury, he had the torn labrum, and then uh, you know compounding that, trying to make a tackle on an interception. But Baker also admitted last year was very tough, especially for him on social media. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I got caught up in all the like negativity and stuff uh, during the year last year. Um, 
postseason, I when I got my sur- surgery, I was out in California. My marketing agent's out there. Um, had him grab all my social media, change all the passwords, delete it off my phone. And it was like it was cute at a high school stage of like uh, Baker Mayfield will never get a scholarship. I'll never be able to make it in college. Then when it gets to the point where it's it's on a national television thing, then you get you get households talking about it. You get a bunch of people. It's just all negativity. And if I'm constantly reading that. I start to think about that in my own head. 100%. Like, why am I doing 100%. that? That's how the brain why works. Why am I doing it? It's, it's like a subconscious, you know. You're wiring your brain to think that way. And there's right? no control over it, man. There you go. Uh, pretty honest comments. Very candid right there from Baker Mayfield talking about, you know, dealing with social media. And finally he said, you know what, that's enough. I'm turning it off. I'm getting out of this deal which probably is a good move. Baker also said that uh, right now he's currently seeing the business side of the NFL. Okay, the average career is three years. I just finished my fourth year. Mm-hmm. And until you make it to that second contract, even, even though, okay, I put this in my resume, I put this in my resume, if you have a down year, but yeah, you can put as many stamps on it as you want, but it can be gone like that. Right. And I think that's the difference because like, you have to go earn it every day. And like, no matter what I have in my resume, until you're until you're like a, a six year plus vet, even six years doesn't protect you. Mm. Bobby Wagner's a ten year vet, all pro linebacker for the Seahawks, and just got cut, and he found out through social media. Like, mm. it's a cold hearted business, mm. and it's like you're never safe. Mm. So you have to go in and earn your stamp every day. All right. Anything stand out to you from what he had to say in those two comments? Anything at all? Well, it, you know, it's nice to see that. He's squared with reality. Not that he wasn't ever, but just the reality that, you know, he understands what is at stake for him. He understands that he has a lot to prove. And to me, this sounds like a motivated Baker Mayfield, which is not a surprise because he's been motivated for the last decade of his football career. But to hear him talk so candidly about the nature of playing football in the NFL, like you heard him say, look, he's already – He's already beat the averages by making it four seasons in the NFL. So, to a certain extent, whatever he gets from here on out is gravy. Baker Mayfield could retire tomorrow and be perfectly financially secure for the rest of his life. He has nothing else at stake from a financial standpoint. But one thing that is evident is that he's out to prove himself as a football player. And yeah, it feels no like he has it. a lot to prove in that regard. And yeah. feels that he has a lot in the tank that people either don't understand he's capable of or are not willing to acknowledge that he's capable of. You know, and there's no doubt the injuries affected him last year. There's no doubt about it. But he also played really bad football. I mean, he made some bad decisions. I really think, you know, we played the first comment where he was talking about, yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't affected by it. I really think that Baker pressed – a little bit uh, last season, second half of last season especially, where he made some really bad decisions. He really uh, did not play very good football at all. Do I think he's capable of better football? Yes, absolutely. We've seen better football from Baker Mayfield. No question. Now the question is, where is he going to wind up? On the Rich Eisen Show today, Albert Breer of the, uh, Albert Breer of the uh, Monday Morning Quarterback was asked about the Baker situation and what's happening uh, with Baker right now. Well, I mean, I think it's sort of going to come down to um, if Baker wants to force the issue. And I think one thing he can do to force the issue if he desires to do that I think it's it, like show up to the off season program, you know, and like that, that in itself, like if you show up, 
like that becomes a problem for the team. They just want you to go away, you know? So maybe he shows up to the off season program and he tries to force the issue. Um, you know, I, I think this is really going to come down to Cleveland's willingness to take on money and, um, you know, and then finding the right suitor for him. I don't think Carolina is very interested right now. My understanding is Detroit's not really talking about it either. You know, Seattle over the last couple of weeks has stuck out to me as the one where if the Browns are willing to take on some of the money, then Seattle can take another swing at the quarterback position at replacing Russell Wilson by putting Baker Mayfield in a competition with Drew Locke. Boom, Seattle. There, you there go. it is. That's it right there. That's ladies the and gentlemen, get your Seahawks jerseys right now. I do think that's an interesting point he makes, though, in that the way, the best way for Baker Mayfield to force the issue is just going to be to show up and be a good teammate. Oh, man, I would love to see him. You know, the video coming out, uh, Baker at Brown's, uh, you know, not training camp, but in the in the uh, workouts, you know, the, the – uh, the workouts that they have, you know, leading up to training camp, just the mini camp, whatever you want to call it. But if he did that, <laughs> that would be fun to see. And you're right. The Browns are probably thinking, oh, my gosh, we had no idea he was going to do this. Really? All right. Well, you want to try and do something now? What do you want to do? I mean, we're on, what is it, $18.8 million, I think they're on the line for. So we'll see. But, again, the draft comes up two weeks from tonight and maybe something happens on draft night we don't know but are you ready to pronounce baker mayfield uh i don't want to say finished in the nfl but are you ready to say his best days are behind him yet i think i think there's a very good chance his best days are in front of him but it all comes down to where he lands next it all comes down to this year this year i think will determine whether Baker Mayfield has a resurgence or whether he's a career backup. Because if he can go and have an outstanding 2022 season at a place like Seattle, which I think is the kind of place he needs to be, where he's got some weaponry and he's got some semblance of a defense to be able to put his team in competitive straits, then I feel that on the strength of a season like that, Baker Mayfield could get a contract to start somewhere in 2023. But if this situation doesn't get resolved, or at least doesn't get resolved in a manner that's going to be conducive to Baker Mayfield's immediate success in the year 2022, if he ends up somewhere like Houston, for instance, then I think he could have the type of mediocre year where most NFL GMs are going to look at that situation and say, well, this guy had a fair shake. He had five seasons to try and prove that he was a long-term starter and just could never really crack it. We'll bring him in, but we're not going to bring him in at a rich figure, and we're not going to bring him in with the expectation that he's going to be our starter. Yeah, and as you said, uh, Baker, Mar- hey. by NFL standards, $18 million is still a pretty paltry contract for a, a guy that could be a starting quarterback in the league. But he's set for life financially as long as he handles his money. It's all about him trying to build his reputation as an NFL quarterback back to a solid level again. And Derek Carr just got paid, what, $40 million a year today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about what Baker Mayfield could be worth if he has a half-decent season next year. He could be in the $25, $30 million range if 2022 goes adequately. He puts up 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, and all of a sudden everybody's saying, well, okay, Baker Mayfield has some juice left. But uh, Marcus Mariota, to me, this is what that situation kind of reminds me of, is Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. Because if you'll recall, 
He had, what, four going on five seasons where he was the starter there. Fell out of favor, got replaced by Ryan Tannehill, rode the bench for a couple years in Oakland, but Atlanta just signed him, and as of right now, I mean, there's the buzz that they'll draft Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett or one of those quarterbacks, but for right now, Marcus Mariota is your presumed starter heading into the 2022 season until we know otherwise. So that could be the path that Baker Mayfield is headed down where Maybe one day, just circumstantially, he ends up back in position to start, but that's why I think 2022 is so pivotal. That is the difference between him being resurgent and him being able to snag a $25, $30 million contract on the open market in 2023. Well, that's that's the difference between that and becoming the next Marcus Mariota. It'll be interesting. Everybody seems to think Seattle will be the ultimate destination. He'll compete with Drew Locke for the Seahawks starting job there. But, man, I'd still love to see Pittsburgh. Still love to see Pittsburgh happen. That would be the ultimate destination for Baker. You know what I'm saying. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you, Tim Lasher and your great great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, call them up. You need your air conditioning unit service right now before it starts really warming up. 405 579-3113. We will talk Big 12 quarterbacks with JT Daniels joining the roster now at West Virginia. We'll do that when we get back. Oh, yeah, you pick up the guitar at Guitar Center. That might be what you crank out first right there. What was it in Wayne's World, though? They had the sign, No Stairway. <laughs> And you don't want to hang around some stupid with a flare gun. He'll burn the place to the ground. Listen, I, I'll say this much. As a guitarist, I, I do respect the difficulty of playing Stairway to Heaven. So anybody who sits down in a guitar shop mm-hmm. and plays that, I, like, I, I can actually respect that. Yeah. Smoke on the – like, that's just a super simple, easy riff. You play that, yes, you, deserved, you deserve to get whisked out of the guitar shop. Yeah, Jimmy Page had the double neck for uh, Stairway. Uh, you know, even though uh, I did hear recently that Robert Plant said in an interview that even though they're known most for that song, he believes that Cashmere is their finest work, which is a really good song, I, too. Mm, that's tough. I, I can see the case for that, too. Mm-hmm. Robert Plant is also he's probably partial to Cashmere because he wrote that riff. Well, uh, all I know is Zeppelin's awesome. They're still my favorite band of all time. By the way, I was talking about uh, it was around 11.40 when I saw that, oh, wow, this podcast just dropped with Baker Mayfield. He's saying new stuff. I got to go find it. So I jumped on, fired up Cool Edit Pro. I've got to get some sound here. I got to get some sound. So we were able to get two sound bites for you. I had to go search through the whole thing. This was like an hour and 20-minute podcast. So, you know, they were talking about the dog and the dog rolling over and exposing himself to everybody. There, You know, there was a lot of chit-chat. So that's the best I could find in uh, the limited time I had. Because I was just relaxing, Parker. I, I was done with editing about 11 a.m. So you know what I did? I thought, you know what I should do? I should do a scenario where we've talked about where – uh, Mule Shoe gets stabbed by a sailfish on his deep sea uh, trip that he always takes, deep sea fishing. Now, before you kids get all upset, this is all just fun, okay? No major arteries would be hit, no lives would be lost, just a small flesh wound. But this is how much time I had on my hands before I found that podcast. So I did come up with the audio of what it might sound if Lincoln 
Mule Shoe Riley was speared by a sailfish deep sea fishing. The man yelling help, that was Clark Stroud, the uh, tag-along, of course. What 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 just happened I on told these airwaves? You, I told you I had a lot of time on my hands until I felt uh, found out that that podcast also, dropped, and then I got I serious again. I can't imagine Muleshoe raising his voice from that monotone that he always talks in with that little southern drawl. You know what he says when they're not catching anything, right? What does he say? We're close. <laughs> Guys, we're this close, man. <sighs> we're just gonna close. keep just gonna keep casting those lines. all right maybe not my finest hour but like i said i had a lot of time on my hands this morning also before the music historians get me on the air comfort solutions text line i misspoke it was it was jimmy page that wrote cashmere at least the riff not robert plant okay so just wanted to clear that up all right well yeah they'll get Slip you on the, the text line. They, they will you, like they'll that's, get you on the text that's line. the reason i bring it up i wasn't going to be the correction police there but i figured that somebody would but that's all right it happens i'm just very very happy that you're a zeppelin fan you're nothing but a young whippersnapper over and for you to be a zeppelin fan that impresses me very much okay uh big 12 quarterbacks the new ones we found out today, JT Daniels is transferring to West Virginia. So you have four, you know, I'm not saying these are all great quarterbacks, but four big names. Dylan Gabriel's proven himself other places, obviously, starting at Oklahoma. Adrian Martinez has had a mm, barely above average career at Nebraska, I would say. But he's going to Kansas State. JT Daniels at West Virginia. Quinn Ewers at Texas. Now, in terms of high school billing, really the biggest two were Ewers and Daniels, Easily. right? Easily. Both five stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn Ewers has shown that he can uh, do very well in terms of getting NIL money. Other than that, he didn't play hardly at all last year. And, of course, Ohio State was pretty good at quarterback last year. But uh, what do you think if you – and then the rest of the league, you've got Spencer, Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. You've got Gary Bohannon at Baylor. You've got uh, Max Duggan or Chandler Morris at TCU. You've got Donovan Smith at Tech. Um, mm. Also, Tyler – how do you pronounce the kid's last Shuck. Tyler Shuck. And he was the one I was about to bring up. Oregon. The that, Oregon transfer. Yes. Tyler Shuck is there, right? Yes. Uh, Hunter Deckers, I guess, at Iowa State. I would put money on Nate Glantz, not Hunter Deckers. Really? Yep. Okay. And then uh, Jalen Daniels at Kansas. Probably. Yeah. So, how would you rank, say, the top – five quarterbacks in the league heading in. Dylan Gabriel has proven himself, you know, at UCF, but this will be a, a tougher place for him to make plays, tougher tougher league. Uh, how would you rank the top five heading into next year? Okay, there are so many different ways to quantify quarterbacks when we're talking about ranking the top five. So are we talking about, am I ranking them in terms of what I think their production will be? Am I ranking them in terms of how successful I think their teams will be? Like, what what are the criteria here? I would say just wrap it all into one. Production, success, who's going to have the best year gotcha. individually and which team, you know. I think Dylan Gabriel has to be at number one for me because nobody else is proven. 
Nobody else. You look at Adrian Martinez as the one guy that can maybe lay claim to a resume that is remotely comparable to Dylan Gabriel. But still, you look at the statistics, Gabriel blows Martinez out of the water over the last three seasons, the three seasons he started. So I would say, until proven otherwise, Gabriel has to be at number one for me. Number two, see, I I don't know that there is a clear answer. I feel like a lot of folks will be tempted to say Quinn Ewers. Potentially, he could be the guy. I mean, if Texas has a good year, I mean, Ewers has a really good reputation. We haven't seen it yet at the collegiate level, but the reputation is there. I'm going to take Adrian Martinez at number two. Okay. Yeah. I'll go him. I think I'll go Ewers at three, just for lack of a better option, because I don't think Ewers is going to be outstanding for Texas this year. Might he have a good year? Sure. I don't think it's going to be an elite year. At number four... Hmm. See, there's a there's a big drop off now because I'm not even sold on JT Daniels being number four. I'm not even sold on JT Daniels being one of the top six or seven quarterbacks in this conference. At number four, I would probably say Gary Bohannon. I think that Baylor offense and that coaching staff is going to make him look a lot better than he is. And so I would say if we're just talking about the overall year that each quarterback is going to have across the Big 12, I'd, I'd think Bohannon is going to be there at four. And then at five, man. Spencer Sanders? Oh, well, okay, yeah, I'll go with Spencer Sanders. I know he's had I'll turnover issues. Sanders. That was a huge, uh, huge win for Oklahoma State over Notre Dame. Mike Gundy called it the biggest in school history in the Fiesta Bowl. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, and this is how it's going to be, it seems like, every year with the transfer portal changing things so quickly. All right, we've got the Air Comfort Solutions text line available to you at 405-651-3439, and uh, we can get a couple in right before we break. We've got uh, Brandon Rabar coming up here in a minute. Brent needs to do a nine-minute speech about not wearing NFL jerseys to our games. I better not see an ugly green and blue in that crowd. I don't know. It's probably too quick to make an investment in a Seahawks jersey anyway because you just never know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I'm not a big fan of their look. Some people think it's great. I'm not a big fan of it, personally. Is Baker too prideful to settle as a backup? At this stage, I would say yes. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to go somewhere. I I don't think he's going to willingly choose to go somewhere where he doesn't have the opportunity to start if he doesn't win a job would he handle it, it is, professionally yeah i think he probably would yeah but as if best it is, he could if it is very clear if say just to pick one example if say the chargers expressed interest i don't think baker mayfield would go there because he knows he's not starting over justin herbert right and so he's going there with the expectation that he is going to be the number two whereas I think he'd be more open to somewhere like Pittsburgh where maybe he's not the clear-cut starter and maybe he's not even the one that's projected to be the starter, but he's going to be in a legitimate competition for that gig. Yeah. He wants to start, there's no doubt. And uh, if he you know, went to, let's say, Seattle and lost the uh, starting job to Drew Locke, would he 
you know, handle the number two quarterback situation like a pro? Hopefully. I think he probably would. Uh, anyway, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439 here on this Wednesday. We'll take a quick break right here. Interesting. The Oklahoma City Thunder needs another Clippers loss. It could happen Friday night. They will host the winner of the Pelican Spurs game. And if they lose that one, then the uh, Thunder's pick goes from the LA Clippers is a lottery selection. So we'll talk to Brandon about that. Interesting stuff from SGA. Seems like he's locked in with Oklahoma City. But what's he supposed to say? Usually that's what you're going to get at an exit interview. Even though sometimes people deviate from the norm. Russell Westbrook didn't have the most. Well, it was certainly a Russell Westbrook exit interview, no doubt. But... We'll talk to Brandon about that more. Head back to the text line. Just getting cranked up on a Wednesday. Keep it here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Now, don't look back in anger on the Thunder's second season of full-out tanking. They are going to be in the four slots when we have the draft lottery coming up, and that will be on May 17th on a Tuesday night during the postseason. We have Brandon Rabar joining us, DailyThunder.com. We normally have Brandon on Tuesdays, but yesterday was a full day of exit interviews. Brandon, I appreciate you coming on with us on this Wednesday. All right, I want you to explain the scenarios to Thunder fans who might be confused. The Clippers, yes, they lost to Minnesota last night. I was a little bit worried with the Clippers up 10 with about nine minutes left. But uh, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, you know, had great games for Minnesota. Patrick Beverly got to kind of taunt his old team. Uh, he, he enjoys doing that very much. So the Clippers will play the winner of the matchup between the Spurs and New Orleans tonight in L.A. Friday night. Uh, and if they lose that, obviously the Clippers are out of the playoffs. That would be good news for Oklahoma City. But give me the scenarios again for the Clippers losing Friday night in that game, what that means for Oklahoma City draft pick-wise, and if the Clippers win and reach the postseason, what that means for Oklahoma City draft pick-wise. Okay, the the easy one is if the Clippers win on Friday, then the Thunder get the number 15 pick. That, that's it. But if the Clippers lose again uh, to either the Pelicans or Spurs, then the Thunder will get at least the number 12 pick. Now, that number 12 pick, though, could possibly move up because you're in the lottery. And that's a movable one. Yes, right. That's right. a movable one, which is really good. So my understanding is, Brandon, that – in that scenario, if the Clippers lose, and again, don't make the postseason, the playing games, you aren't really considered in, in the postseason. I guess you kind of are, but you would, again, you wouldn't be, uh, you would be in the lottery. Uh, and Oklahoma City owns that pick. So the worst scenario, if the Clippers don't make the playoffs, would be Oklahoma City dropping to 8 and 12, and then they would have Phoenix's pick at 30. And if uh, again, if the if the Clippers uh, well, actually, if the Clippers lose, they could they could move up that twelve pick. But uh, worst case scenario for Oklahoma City would be if the Clippers make the postseason, they could drop to eight with that first pick. Which again, they're at the four slot right now, depending on the lottery. It would be eight, fifteen, and thirty if the Clippers make the playoffs. Worst case. Yeah, that'd be worst case. And that the number eight, there's like a two point two percent chance of that happening. Uh, so there's like a 97.8% chance it would, it would be at least a top seven pick. Um, and so, but yeah, but, but absolute worst case, you know, because some people think that OKC just has the worst uh, draft lottery luck, which, you know, was the case last year almost. 
uh, yeah, it could possibly be 8, 15, and 30. Okay, so let's revisit then the Brandon Rabar mock draft special because we've asked you plenty about what you think Oklahoma City should do with their first pick in this upcoming draft. But let's say that they also end up with a pick in that pick number 12 range. Who's a player or two that you think would make sense for OKC at that slot? Yeah, that's a great question. There's there's some guys I like. Uh Obviously, you would hope that maybe Jalen Duran falls a little bit. Um, he's a guy that's probably going to go from 8 to 10, but maybe he slips. I mean, we saw it last year. Uh, Alperin Shingun dropped. Everybody thought he was going top 10, and he went 16. If Jalen Duran from Memphis falls to 12, that would be fantastic. Uh, I also like Tari Eason. Uh, he's a guy that you could play at the 3 or 4. He might be the best defender in this draft, but he can also shoot like from three. I feel like he's kind of going under the radar. Mark Williams uh, from Duke, I think that he's going to be there right around the number 15 spot. I think anybody that watched March Madness knows that Mark Williams played a big part in their run to the Final Four. He's kind of your old-school center. So those guys, I like any of those guys. Uh, Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky, Thunder don't necessarily need a guard, but he's somebody that could maybe drop to that spot. There's a lot of really nice players that could end up being there available in that spot for the Thunder. Brandon Rabar with us. Uh, Parker, if we could, could we pull up the SGA clip and uh, hear what SGA had to say yesterday, and then we'll ask Brandon about it. Shea Gilgis-Alexander yesterday during his exit interview talking about uh, what's going on with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, SGA did say he is, yes, still excited about the future in OKC? Yeah, very. Um, we talk all the time. Um, and every time we talk, I get a little bit more excited. Um, but yeah, like I said before, I'm excited for the future of this team, for sure. What gets you excited about? Like, what are you excited about? Um, it says a lot about having trust um, and being able to trust um, in this business. Um, and I think, like Sam, myself, and, and Coach Mark, um, we had that trust in each other. Um, and I can't go into details, um, but we're excited for the future. Is it easier for you to stay patient that you know the plan and know sort of what to expect in these next few years? Absolutely. There you go. Now, here's what's interesting, Brandon. Oklahoma City has, I believe, $32 million available in cap space, but they would have to use that before July 1st. Uh, it's kind of a use-it-or-lose-it it situation, right? What do you expect OKC to do with all that uh, that money that's available? Yeah, I, I think going back to that, that Shea quote, you know, when he said that, I was like, I, I tweeted it out. I was like, oh, this is the one. From all the uh, exit interviews yesterday, I knew that was the one that would, would get everybody's attention because it's Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, who a lot of Thunder fans are worried that the Thunder are tanking, that he's going to get impatient, he's going to want out. I don't think that's the case. Uh, you know, as far as what the Thunder could do, what is he alluding to? You know, he says he can't get into details. Uh, they do have all that cap space. I don't necessarily think that they'll, they'll use it this year. I still think that if a team wants to, to trade a bad contract and get under the, the salary this year and duck, they'll still take some assets in young players, first-round picks. I do think this opens the door, though. So, you know, if there's a disgruntled guy – out there like a Donovan Mitchell or a Miles Turner or, or one of those guys, could the Thunder make a play? Yeah, they absolutely could make a play for one of those guys if they want to. I still think it's one year out. 
you know, I think everybody ran with that Shea quote and thought that they meant next year. I don't necessarily think it means next year. I think next year they'll just try to win with who they have. I don't think they'll tank. Uh, but when Kimba comes off the, the books, Kimba Walker's contract comes off the books, they're going to have a really, really clean uh, cap space. And I think that's when they'll go all in. And in my feeling, that's, that's kind of what Shea's alluding to because he knows the plan. Okay, so when they go all in, Brandon, what do you think that looks like? Yeah, so going all in, I think that you know they're trying to get you know another top five talent. So you know theoretically they would have blue chip young talents that'll be here for the next decade. And Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, whoever they pick, you know in the top five range this year, you can throw in Lou Dort, Poku, you know really nice role players, Trey Mann, into that clump. But with all that cast, I think they'll go out and sign a free agent. There's going to be some free agents they can afford to throw you know big contracts out. I think that they will use all the assets they have, not necessarily all, but whatever it takes to go out and get a disgruntled guy. There's all these guys every year now, you know, three, four, five guys that you can go out and get if you have the assets, and the Thunder have more assets than anybody. So you take the young talent, go sign a free agent, and then go trade for a star. I think that's what it looks like. Brandon, good stuff. We appreciate it. We will talk to you again uh, leading up to the draft lottery, which will be coming up again May 17th and, of course, for the NBA draft. So we'll, we'll be having you on sporadically uh, as Thunder News uh, develops. But we appreciate you uh, doing this with us all year. Appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Keep up. Brandon Rabar joining us, DailyThunder.com. Oklahoma City again now awaits the NBA Draft Lottery on Tuesday night, May 17th. And we'll see if the Clippers again, if they can lose that next game against either the Spurs or New Orleans. I think New Orleans wins, and I think New Orleans is the better proposition going into L.A. Friday night. And uh, having a chance to beat the Clippers, so we'll see. That would be nice, and Oklahoma City would at least have 4-12-30, and, and that 12th pick could be upperly mobile so that would be the best situation for Oklahoma City all right a four-star recruit has the Sooners in his top five we'll tell you who it is and uh, what their chances are Parker will answer that when we get back here on the ref all right it is the home of Sooner fans the ref radio network here on a Wednesday I'm Mike Steeler with Parker Thune Steelman and Thune at noon right here on the ref Thanks again to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour, 405-579-3113. Riverwind Casino Beats and Bites 2022 is back. The great outdoor concert series where you have the great uh, beers from Coop Ale Works. You've got the incredible food trucks out there, retail vendors, even a fireworks show coming in July. It all begins on May 28th with Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. That's the first show out for Beats and Bites 2022. Then in June, on June 18th, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. That's June 18th. And then in July, two big shows, the Randy Rogers Band, July 9th, with the fireworks show to follow. And also, Scotty McCreary will be on the Beats and Bites stage on July 30th. Beats and Bites, great time outdoors, great food trucks out there, all your favorite local food trucks, retail vendors. You'll be able to shop out there and enjoy some great music at Beats and Bites Festival 2022 at Riverwind Casino. And that's uh, another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. All right, uh, let's talk about Harris Sewell, four-star O-lineman from uh, Odessa Permian, down to five schools, Oklahoma, Bama, Clemson, Texas, and Texas A&M, ranked as the number two 
O-linemen, at least in what I'm seeing, uh, in the state of Texas. What are you thinking there, Parker? Sooner's chances. Uh, I I am taking a cautious approach with Harris Sewell because there's been buzz for OU, sure, but nothing too prevalent and nothing too credible. Always kind of knew that Oklahoma was going to end up one of his final contenders and that they may get an official visit, and with him now locked in on a top five, you would presume that, yes, they will get an official visit. Uh, I am not comfortable saying that Oklahoma leads for Harris Sewell. A lot can change, obviously, once you guys get once you get guys on campus for an official visit. So that'll be one worth monitoring, and that's maybe one that's – I'm trying to think of a past situation over the last few years that's maybe comparable where Oklahoma isn't the ostensible leader but ends up blowing a guy away on an official visit. Like Nick Anderson last year when he was committed to Oregon – and showed up to OU for an official visit. Nobody really expected that anything was going to become of that visit. It's because he was solidly committed, and he figured, oh, you know what, his brother played at OU. He's just coming to check it out while he can. But two days later, two days after the official visit, boom, Nick Anderson flips to Oklahoma. So is something like that out of the question with Harris Sewell? Not necessarily, but I'm not getting too confident about that one. Is uh, Permian football as big as it used to be? Obviously, it was the inspiration for Friday Night Lights. There's a Sooner connection there. Uh, Daryl Hunt was the first African-American player to ever play at Odessa Permian. Two-time All-American at OU. Uh, Great player at the University of Oklahoma. And uh, we lost Daryl Hunt way too early. I think he died in his early 50s of a heart attack. Played with the Oilers, I know, in the NFL. but The Houston only... Oilers? Yeah, Houston Oilers. Did you finally get that song out of your head? <laughs> nope. Still have it. Still there. So the Sooners had a, uh, a good duo at linebacker back in the day with Daryl Hunt and George Cumbie. Daryl Hunt and George Cumbie. I was on the air with an announcer during a Sooner pregame show back in the oh, day no. that transposed I two letters going. on the last name. <laughs> it Yikes! Became, it became Daryl something else and George Humby. And it didn't happen just once, but twice. Oh. And I was on the air with that individual, oh. and I remember the look of sheer terror. The individual tried to correct himself. The second time around, they were transposed as well. Oof. Yeah, that's uh I remember that. Ideal. I was early in my career, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be associated with this. I need to leave now. And it's like, that's the situation that's hard. You, like, you know you're not, you know they're not doing it on purpose. Yeah. It's just one of those things that happens. Your brain moves mm-hmm. faster than your mouth, and yeah. you end up saying something you don't intend to say, but you got you really got to be careful with syllables like those. Yes. But, man, Daryl Hunt was an unbelievable, and George Cumbie was a great player, both of them. What a great uh, duo they were, no doubt. And, uh, man, that's Daryl Hunt, 52, 53 years old, I believe, when he had a heart attack. But, again, he was the first African-American player at Odessa Permian. The inspiration, of course, for Friday Night Lights, the oil patch football out there, like Cedric Benson was a Midland Lee guy, right? Really, was he? I believe I, so, yeah. I, I couldn't. And have. Cedric Benson, we lost him way too early in that right. motorcycle accident. Man. 
You never know in life, man. You never know. Isn't uh, Tanner Schaefer from one of those small towns out there? Canadian? I think so, Canadian, yeah. Texas? Yeah. I think so. I don't even know where Canadian, Texas is, but I just know it's out there. I, 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 I remember we got him – we got him once for an availability – and somebody asked a question pertaining to Friday Night Live. So now, now I'm on my phone trying to figure out exactly where Canadian Texas is. And, yes, it's way north Texas. I mean, we are talking – it's actually – it's farther north than we are right now, Mike. Really? Yes. Wow. In the state of Texas, but farther north than we are right now. It is about – oh, I want to say – 10 to 15 miles west of the Oklahoma border, maybe a little bit more. But the closest Oklahoma town is Roll. Roll, Oklahoma. Roll, I didn't even know there was a Roll, Oklahoma. Yeah, the closest community that I, you might recognize is Cheyenne, mm-hmm. okay. uh, which is northwest of Elk City. It's, it's in reasonable proximity to Elk City. It's maybe an hour away. I would say, got a little geography lesson right there. There you go, Canadian Texas. I've home, never been. I've never been to the Panhandle of Oklahoma. By the way, have you really? Have you been? I have not been to the. You Panhandle. Been well, through, that's okay. You that's been not through slap true. out. Slap out. Lincoln Riley's many highways out there, right? That's right. See, I I did end up going through the Panhandle once on vacation a couple of years ago. And I didn't even realize I was going through the panhandle of Oklahoma. <laughs> it was just like, oh, you're there for 10 minutes, and then boom, That's it. you're in Texas. That's right. All right, we've got another hour to go. A lot more Sooner football to get to. Uh, Joe Bettner, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner football newsletter coming up. We've got another 60 minutes, so keep it right here on The Ref. All right, welcome in. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck from the uh, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. And again, a great guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. I see one of our uh, listeners, Trav23. What's up, Trav23? How you doing? Uh, just tweeted this out. I listened to that podcast that Baker was on, and I'm sorry, OU fans. Bakes not mad at Lincoln for leaving OU. He said, quote, it worked out for both schools in a positive way. That's not word for word, but it's close. Can't wait to see some of you guys melt down because Bake isn't mad at Tebow. You know, and that's, uh, I, I think, uh, for Baker's comments on that. And, again, his podcast uh, dropped the podcast that he was on which is called the You Never Know podcast, uh, dropped about, I guess, about 90 minutes ago. And I was able to listen. I Once I found out it dropped and I knew we had an opportunity to get some new Baker Mayfield audio, I immediately was searching through the whole thing. And I couldn't listen to the whole thing because, again, it came out around 11.30 our time, something like that. So I had, like, I finally found out about uh, 11:40, and I'm like, I gotta get a couple clips right here. I gotta find that and get it and get a couple sound bites. So we had some. If you missed those, we'll play them back a little bit later. Um, but Baker Mayfield again uh, did say, "quote that he felt disrespected by Cleveland 100 percent because they said one thing and did another." He also said he had no regrets 
what he gave to Cleveland. True Cleveland fans and Clevelanders will recognize that. He said also that the 2018 season was fun in the back half. 2019 sucked. 2020 was fun when they made the playoffs, and 2021 was a miserable experience. So, yeah, and Baker, I, I didn't expect that Baker would do that either. I mean, he had great success with Neil Shue, there's no doubt. And look, SC got a coach that's going to win a lot of games for him. Now, whether he'll win a national championship or not remains to be seen. But he's going to recruit well. He's going to restore their uh, their national image. They will be a factor on the national scene. It's going to be interesting to see what Dan Lanning does at Oregon, too, of course. But uh, I'm not sitting here telling you that he's not going to have success there. He is. To what degree, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I think Oklahoma's in a better situation, too. The whole reason that I'm angry and petty and immature about that situation is I don't like the way it happened. I think that was completely low class. Air Comfort Solutions text line. One listener says Baker isn't going to slander Lincoln just like Bob isn't going to slander Lincoln. By yeah. the way, we kind of buried the lead. Bob Stoops is going to be coaching again. Hmm. Did you, uh, no, what? Oh, did you not catch that? Well, did it just happen? No, what this, did I miss? Yeah, this morning it was announced Bob Stoops is going to be one of the eight XFL head coaches when the oh, XFL – reforms Dude, in 2023 i went to like a hair appointment i didn't look at twitter uh at all this morning until i saw somebody said bakes on a new podcast and that's it so i guess that doesn't surprise me i mean he's done that before right yeah so. i mean it's a low pressure job doesn't gotta have a whole lot of time investment he can keep hawking his tequila keep doing his gig with fox he's staying busy man he's staying busy yeah, that one slipped. Wade Phillips, Bob Stoops, Terrell Buckley, Heinz Ward, Rod Woodson, Reggie Barlow, Anthony Becht, and Jim Hazlitt. So uh, the XFL coming in 2023. So, you know, I, I think that uh, Bob Stoops again uh, with the Dallas Renegades, all right, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. And, again, I think he still has some coaching, obviously, in his blood. And if it works out where he can still do a lot of the things that he wants to do and still keep uh, keep a, you know, keep a hand in coaching to a certain extent and not, not to a certain extent. I mean, that's, that's a – I don't know if you would say it's a full-time job like it would be if he was back in college, but it obviously works into his schedule. Maybe too. in two years when Ted Roof takes a new job, Bob can be Brent's D.C. There you go. Maybe. Maybe. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brent Venables has implored you, if you're a Sooner fan, to be at the spring game. Now, we are talking about uh, a week from this Saturday, April 23rd, 3 o'clock. Baker's statue Heisman ceremony will be at halftime. And again, Brent wants to try and pack the Palace on the Prairie. My expectations – or from from the fans and from the administration is no different than my expectations from the players and the coaches. You know, if, if best is the standard, then then everybody that's what our players deserve. You know, everybody has a part. Everything that we do matters in this program. How we show up on the spring game matters. We're gonna have recruits here. It matters. Our players are gonna bust their tails for this place in in September and October, November and December and January. Okay, then we expect the best from from everybody else supporting the program the right way. Okay, don't matter how, what the temperature is, uh, what time it is, you know, you know, where the sun is during the day, you know, what we're doing, if we have a halftime show or not. 
okay, what road or what way, what uniforms we wear, none of that stuff matters. Show up, okay, how we show up matters, okay, send a message. If, you know, when we talk about this program being one of the, you know, most tradition rich and, and best programs in the history of college football, then show up with some pride on the 23rd. That's the expectation. You think that Brent goes door to door for those Sooner fans who don't show up? You never know. <laughs> He's putting you on you, a list. You better be there, man. You would better be there. Now, again, talking about that day and the expectations for the crowd my understanding again is no upper ball that uh, that's that's not part of the deal that's what we have been led to believe so in that case i don't know is what uh, i don't know what the lower bowl only and how they would count that is there you know standing room somewhere too an unbelievable crowd i think would be 60,000 what are you thinking would be a really good number where maybe it doesn't sell out. If it doesn't sell out, what's a really good number for OU fans to uh, show up with or show out with? 50K. 50? Be yeah. pleased with 50, 50 k 50's the bar. Anything north of that, it's a really, really good afternoon in Norman, Oklahoma. Nebraska had 55,000 in Lincoln uh, last weekend. And, again, I, I don't think they had the upper bowl. But, uh, yeah, that'd be really good. And, again, like I said, there's so many areas where the Sooners um, are trying to step up their game. And, look, Oklahoma doesn't need to take Godzilla giant steps to do that in a lot of areas. Their facilities are still great, uh, you know, really good. Uh, Fan support is really good. But when you get to the SEC, again, donations, all of that stuff, more money, up-to-date facilities – the facilities arms race never stops. Once you hesitate and you're not thinking about your next move, you're behind. And that's why I think it's great also that Oklahoma has a guy like Thad Turnipseed, uh, you know, aboard now to oversee some of that stuff as well. Ryan C. Fowler is on with Chris Plank this morning. Good stuff. Alabama uh, radio host in, in Tuscaloosa and follows the Crimson Tide. And he was talking about the job that Thad Turnipsy did with the Bama facilities. He said in the early 2000s, the Bama facilities were really not not up to snuff. They weren't, uh, you know, the standard facilities you would expect for a great program like Alabama. And Thad Turnipsy changed that when he was there working for Nick Saban. By the way, Ryan C. Fowler on with Plank on the Plank Show uh, with Josh Helmer earlier this morning also said that he thinks that Oklahoma and Texas – will be in the SEC not this coming fall, but in 2023 in that season, uh, after this season that Oklahoma and Texas will be in the SEC. We heard a lot of buzz early. Mm-hmm. We've not really heard anything as of late, which tells me something, that they're working behind the scenes, that, that they're closer. Like when you don't hear anything, you kind of understand that something's going on. If, if we were hearing, and I think Bob Bowlesby, Retiring, uh, you know, I know he's not retired yet, but announcing his retirement, right? I think that may be a clue uh, that this thing could really happen sooner. I'm going to take a wild guess. You guys can get me back on. I'll eat crow. I'm going to say 2023. I don't think there's okay. any way it goes through the full contract for the Big 12. I, I don't think there's any way. I think the SEC will step up and uh, try to make this revenue thing happen. There you go. And that's what you've been saying, too. That's what you still think. 
that it's going to happen that way. I do. I, can't I do see think it happens in 2023. Oklahoma being, and Texas being a part of the expanded Big 12. Yeah, a 14-team Big 12 does not really seem like something OU and Texas are going to be. And it also just presents a challenge with scheduling, too, because you, know, you have 14 teams to schedule for instead of 12. There may be matchups that have to go out the window because right now, as things stand in the Big 12, everybody plays everybody every single year, right? And so now you're going to have to pick and choose amongst those 14 teams, and there's going to be a lot of picking and choosing that has to happen. And you're going to have to – well, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to take your conference and you're going to have to split it into divisions that that you're then going to have to re-fabricate I suppose, within no more than two years when Oklahoma and Texas do leave because it's happening in 2025 at the very latest. So you're not going to put Oklahoma and Texas in separate divisions. You're going to put them in the same division, right? So then if you had two divisions of seven teams in 2023, those hold for two years, and then after that two-year period, you then have to reshuffle things and change your divisional makeup. And so it just makes logistical sense for everyone involved if this transition just happens in 2023. Yeah, I, I, I just can't see it going past then. But, you know, uh, there were a lot of people who thought for sure that it would be this coming fall. But obviously it's not going to be the case. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Air Comfort Solution text line. Let's get back there real quick. We've got Joe Bettner coming up at 135. Nah, it needs to be more than 50. Tebow had more than 50K on a Friday, referring, I'm sure, to the spring game. And what would that have been, 2019 when they had it on that Friday evening? Yeah, 2019. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, on a, that's right. Because of the inclement weather, they mm-hmm. played it on a Friday night. Yeah, I, uh, okay, I, I would agree with that. Let's get up towards 60 then. That would be nice. Wouldn't it be awesome if Bob Stoops was the next head coach if Oklahoma got an XFL team? He would be back in Oklahoma as a head coach. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, do we do absolutely. we know are the is the XFL just maintaining the same franchises they had they had previously or I, are they I th- I don't know for sure. I, it sounds right, but you can probably go ahead and google it up, but uh yeah, that would be awesome. The Oklahoma Outlaws were in Tulsa for a while and they had uh, Doug Williams at quarterback, they had Mike Rozier at running back. Um and a pretty cool uh logo by the way, and played at the old uh, at Skelly Stadium. So Oklahoma has some history in the XFL back in the day. I'm trying to remember who the Oklahoma Outlaws head coach was. I'll Google that up. Go ahead and Google it up real quick. Another question. Would Baker choose to start in the XFL rather than be an NFL backup if the XFL had interest? No. Yeah, I'm going to say no on that one. Because the XFL is just going to – it's basically going to be the minor leagues. That's what it's going to be. It is going to be minor league football. And so I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to relegate himself to that level unless or until he absolutely has to. He's also such a competitor that I feel like even if he does have to go somewhere with the full expectation of being number two, he's going to fight his tail off to beat whoever is in front of him out. He could go to he could go to the Chargers and you know he's not he's certainly not going to beat out Justin Herbert, but I'll be darned if Baker Mayfield isn't going to give it his best shot. 
No doubt, no doubt about it. And again, uh, yeah, there, there's no way that Baker would take that. He's he's an NFL guy, and he's going to try and prove himself in as an NFL starter. Uh, the first coach of the Outlaws, the Oklahoma Outlaws, I think the only coach was Woody Wodenhofer, who was that's a name for you, Woody Wodenhofer, who was also the head coach at Missouri, and then coached the Outlaws were at uh, in 1984 played. I know at Skelly Stadium, and I. Did they go to Arizona? I think they went to Arizona after that. So, um, anyway, some XFL history for you there. All right, we'll head back to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line. When we get back, keep the tax rolling in. We appreciate them very much. Area code 405-651-3439. And thank you to our second-hour sponsor, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. No, I think it's it's Barry Switzer's theme music is what it is as we go to break. Stay here. Stevie Ray, always good stuff. Always good stuff right there. That man could play the guitar. Yes, he, he could. He was pretty, pretty, pretty good. All right, uh, so Bob Stoops will be back coaching uh, 2023 in the United States Football League. The XFL. We know that. The X, uh, the XFL, by the way. The XFL, you're right. And it's all was, minor league football. I was thinking about the USFL back in the day. And by the way. Which uh, is coming back too. Yes. The USFL, um, I think I, Mike Rozier was with Pittsburgh. He was the number one overall draft pick. And uh, Doug Williams who is the quarterback and eventually won a Super Bowl, uh, you think about Doug Williams in uh, the USFL with the Oklahoma Outlaws back in the day. And uh, Ernest Anderson, former Oklahoma State running back, was there. So, yeah, they had a year there at Skelly Stadium. Uh, the USFL teams, which, uh, which nickname do you like the best? They had the Arizona Wranglers, the Birmingham Stallions, the Washington Federals, is that better than the Commanders, the Tampa Bay Bandits, the San Antonio Gunslingers, the Pittsburgh Oof. Maulers? Some of these nicknames. San Antonio Gunslingers and Tampa Bay Bandits. I like those two. Pretty good. Philadelphia Baltimore Stars, the Orlando Renegades, the Oakland Invaders, the New Jersey Generals. Donnie Trump had the Generals with Herschel and uh, Doug Flutie, right? Michigan Panthers, the Memphis Showboats, the LA Express, the Jacksonville Bulls, the Houston Gamblers, the Denver Gold, the Chicago Blitz, and the Portland Breakers. So there you go. Way back when that was would have been what, eighty two through like eighty six, eighty seven, the old USFL. So and uh, Bob Stoops will be coaching again in the XFL in twenty twenty three. So there you go. All right, uh, Baker Mayfield on a podcast today that came out. It's been uh, almost two hours ago, and on the You Never Know podcast, uh, which I never knew about until today, and uh, Baker was asked a lot of stuff, and he did say some things about Cleveland, uh, some of the things you probably saw if you follow Jake Trotter, and I know most of you do. Uh, He said, I have no regrets about what I gave to Cleveland. True Cleveland fans and Clevelanders will recognize that. Yes, I feel 100% disrespected. They told me one thing, then they completely did another. Uh, That is a little bit of what Baker had to say during this podcast about the situation with the Browns. And he also said 
that uh, last year, injury-wise, was certainly tough. No doubt we didn't get to see him totally healthy. And he, Look, he didn't play very good football. Baker also said last year was tough, especially because of social media. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that I got caught up in all the like negativity and stuff uh, during the year last year. Um, postseason, I, when I got my sur- surgery, I was out in California. My marketing agent's out there. Um, had him grab all my social media change all the passwords, delete it off my phone. And it was like, it was cute at a high school stage of like, uh, Baker Mayfield will never get a scholarship and never be able to make it in college. Then when it gets to the point where it's, it's on a national television thing, then you get, you get households talking about it, you get a bunch of people, it's just all negativity. And if I'm constantly reading that, I start to think about that in my own head. 100%. It's like, why am I doing 100%. that? That's how the brain why works. Why am I doing it? It's, it's like a subconscious, you know. It's a You're wiring your brain to think that way. And there's right? no control over it, man. There isn't. There isn't, you know, I, like I said, I am so glad, like, I'm not a teenager in this day and age. And why is well, that? social media, because can you imagine what it's like being a teenager with all this stuff where you're pressured to be on TikTok and tweet every five seconds and be on Instagram? I, I just, I, I don't think I could have handled that. By the way, Air Comfort Solutions text line, one of our listeners sent in a text and said, how are you not talking about this? And I assumed that the attached screenshot was going to be something bizarre and ridiculous mm-hmm. that isn't actually worth talking mm-hmm. about. But the attached screenshot here says, Urban Meyer planning Fox return after disastrous Jaguars season. Really? Fox wants this man back? Oh, my goodness. Like, if I shared this set with Urban Meyer, I would have to consciously resist the urge to take digs and make jokes at every possible juncture. Like, oh my gosh, the amount of jokes I would make mm-hmm. at Urban Meyer's expense where I would subtly reference the video where he's fondling the lady at the strip club or whatever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I don't know. I Look, I thought Urban Meyer was all right when he was on. I was a little bit surprised that he did pretty well. I don't think he was as good as Bob. I don't. I You know, but my experience with Urban Meyer and, like, watching him the week of the games when they played against Oklahoma and looking at his get-together with the media there, I mean, the, the, the sound bites were horrible. I mean – well, Coach Stoops got a great team. We were very respectful of Oklahoma, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, dude, care to elaborate on anything? Uh, so it surprised me that he could put, you know, a 30-second coherent thought together at some point. So, I don't know. That's in the New York Post also. So, we'll see. I Man, I I don't know, man. Like Just when I started to think, okay, maybe Urban Meyer isn't a total jerk and maybe he's not, you know, for a while. And then, of course, you had the ass-grabbing video and everything else in Jacksonville. I want him on the same set as Bob Stoops. I want Bob to be savage. I want Bob to be the savage one. I thought Bob was really good, man. I thought he made a lot of progress during a year. I remember his first shot, it was that um, – who is it Ohio State open with? What is it? Uh, Indiana? Who yes, Indiana. No, Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota that's Minnesota. right. P.J. Fleck in, in Minnesota. And his first – he wasn't in studio for his first uh, shot on Fox, right? And you're out there in an environment where the fans are going absolutely wild. You've got your IFB in your ear, and you probably can't hear a thing. And I could kind of see that look of Bob's looking like, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't hear anything. 
and that's a horrible feeling to have. But he powered through that. I thought he still did fine that night, but everybody's got a little bit of a learning curve, particularly if you don't have a, a real TV background like that. How many times have you know you been on a live shot or doing you know if you're in TV and you've been doing a sportscast or whatever and uh, you know you've all you usually have somebody talking in your ear counting you down how much time you have left or something like that it's a new experience but I thought Bob did really well I thought he was great man by the end of the year I thought he was really good and they seemed to like him a lot there too you know even though we're talking SC people Leinart and Reggie Bush. I just, gosh, I, I'm living for the day where Urban Meyer gets back on that Fox set and they're doing their little halftime breakdown and Urban goes, well, yeah, we'll see if we, we'll see if Ohio State can grab the lead early in the third quarter. And Bob Stoops goes, just like you grabbed that girl at the strip club, right, Urban? There you go. I don't think Bob I want would that do that. kind of a dunk. Bob, uh, you know, is able to... He's able to hold back and show restraint. So, yeah, I don't think Bob would do that. Yes, we did correct it. Uh, Rosier played for the Pittsburgh Maulers. I don't know what I was thinking. It was Ernest Anderson from Oklahoma State who played with Doug Williams there at uh, Skelly Stadium. In fact, I believe that Rozier may have been the number one overall pick in their drafts back in the day. I remember that when Switzer, correct. Switzer called him Rouser. On the uh, <laughs> on the OU playback show, oh, hell, trying to stop old Rouser right there, Mike Rouser. All right, we got a break, and uh, when we get back, Joe Bettner's going to join us. Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football newsletter, and he'll join us on the law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. Thanks for being with us on a Wednesday. We still have thirty minutes to go. Locked in at the top of the hour here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref. Big wheels keep on turning, and uh, Eyes on Oklahoma Sooner Football newsletter keeps on churning. He's churning it out. He's the one, the only Joe Bettner joining us on the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. So, Joe, what do you think about all this new access? I mean, DeMarco Murray's meeting with the media. You know, you got – it seems like somebody every day is out there. It's not just the coordinators. It's all the assistant coaches, a ton of players. What's What in the wide, wide world of sports is it going on here? Any idea what's going on here? All right, Joe is saying he can't hear anything from RN for some reason. Can you guys hear me? There we go. Yeah, there's Joe. There's Joe. Yeah, I was just uh, asking you about the access. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing, the access that uh, Brandon and this new staff have uh, provided so far. Definitely different. It's uh, pretty amazing what can get accomplished when you don't have a paranoid head football coach. It's, uh, it's quite different. Um, it's been strange just kind of seeing and kind of getting to know and i think that maybe with any new staff i'm not trying to downplay what brendan Olds has done because i think it's definitely uh definitely not what the what the norm is in college football anymore but getting to know the, the staff the assistants and as many players as the, that have been made available i mean it was like pulling teeth you know a year ago so it's it's been nice i think you're getting more of a personality and i think Honestly, it's one of those things where I always thought if they really open this up, I mean, this is going to be huge once NIL hits, and obviously now it's in play, but you're getting to know these guys on a, on a more regular basis, and I feel like you're getting more honesty just out of this coaching staff, just kind of, you know, you, you get the, you know, the pretty normal default, you know, quotes like, you know, this guy's 
attacking the ball. He's swarming to the ball, all the, all the cliches, but you are getting some really good personalities, and I think that is a credit to what Brent Venables is doing right now in Norman. Now we hear Brent Venables and the rest of the representatives from across the Oklahoma football program, whether on social media or in press conferences, uh, whatever the forum may be, they are encouraging fans to get out en masse to the Oklahoma spring game on April 23rd. Now, uh, there's been some concern that maybe the upper seating areas of the stadium won't be open and maybe it'll be confined to the lower bowl. But one way or another, what do you think a win is for Oklahoma in terms of attendance at the spring game? And what do you think is a realistic expectation as to how many fans are in the building? I mean, I think that within years past, I felt like 50 was pretty impressive. I I feel like I'd be a little bit shocked if it was that low. Like I'm, I'm, I think it could get anywhere between 60 and 70 just with how much actual marketing is going into this thing. They have not had a push like this uh, in quite some time to, to get people out to the spring game. And I, I think a lot of that too will be benefit. The benefit for Oklahoma is that they're going to uh, unveil the Baker Mayfield statue and moving out at the halftime, I think is the best decision they could have made. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a rowdy, rowdy atmosphere. Hopefully the, the upper decks aren't too closed off. I would really hope that they try their, you know, their best to get to eighty thousand. Because if you could get that, I mean, that's that, that's absolutely just a massive way to start off the Brett Venables era and really set the tone for what I feel like can, you know, be momentum that Oklahoma can kind of carry uh, moving forward as they get this, you know, regime in place, new vibe in place, new atmosphere. It just it, it feels like a completely different program, but at the same time, just feels very familiar with how Brett Venables is really reinvigorating the fan base. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, and, and part of it is probably, you know, introducing these guys to the, the media here and letting them to get to know these guys, too. I understand that's what happens with the new staff sometimes. But I always thought, and I'm so old, I can remember when Pat Jones was at Oklahoma State, uh, and, you know, Pat had a really good run at Oklahoma State, but at the end it wasn't so pretty. But Pat, people in the media liked Pat so much that I think that bought him some extra time. And I, I don't know. I think a lot of times that a coaching staff will kind of fold up the tent or shut, shut the doors on the media when the exact opposite approach probably works better. So it'll be interesting to see what the staff, what that philosophy will look like once – you know, Oklahoma loses a game and fans get on a call or fans get on a player or because that's going to happen. So, uh, but for what it's worth right now, this has been great, Joe. And um, again, I've always said that the football coaches are the most paranoid and Oklahoma certainly had one that was among the most paranoid with the previous administration. So it's great for you with the newsletter and everything that you've got going to have this, this kind of access. Um, so we learned that JT Daniels is coming aboard at West Virginia through the portal. So what do you think of the quarterbacks next year in the league? Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. You've got Adrian Martinez at Kansas State. JT Daniels now at West Virginia. Quinn Ewers, uh, who played behind C.J. Stroud, obviously, last year, who's a pretty good quarterback at Ohio State. But Quinn Ewers, highly touted kid uh, back at, at Texas, where a lot of people thought he might be originally. But... How about the Big 12 next year with these these new quarterbacks and what's coming back? I mean, it's good to see for someone who likes offense and likes to see points scored. Uh, not that the Big 12 has been boring by any means, but 
I mean, it's just gotten to a point where they've completely flipped the script on the narrative. And last year you saw so many great defenses come out of the conference. But I have no idea, no idea whatsoever how to evaluate, how to rank these quarterbacks because pretty much everybody has a new guy under center and it's pretty much all projection at this point. And, you know, you could, you know, when you look at across the board, it just, when you look at like certain guys, like a Quinn yours, like a lot of people throw him around as like the best QB in the big 12. And I feel like that's super premature to, to put that out there. Um, obviously there, there's, you know, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma, which I, I think he has probably the highest ceiling of anyone um, just as far as the situation that he's in. Uh, and I know that doesn't really answer the question who is just alone the best quarterback, but I think he has just the most room to, you know, be successful and what, what he has at Oklahoma. But JT Daniels is, uh, I think, with what with, with him coming in, Graham Harrell uh, coming in as the offensive coordinator at West Virginia, that could be a really sneaky good team. Neil Brown is really, you know, it seems like the administration is giving him time to kind of build that program back up to where it was when Dana Holgerson really had it humming. But, I mean, they could go to another level if JT Daniels is the guy that we all kind of thought he would be. The big caveat is is that every place he's gone, he just hasn't just worked out. I mean, he went to USC, he went to to Georgia, and it just has not worked out for him. And uh, for for a guy like that, a journeyman like that, you you always kind of – I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. I always kind of root for the old, you know, QB transfer. I don't know what. It, maybe they're just following Oklahoma football as long as I have. Just uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I think that they've got a really good crop of good quarterback play, and hopefully it leads to you know, you know, more offense, more points. Because I mean, that's kind of when the Big Twelve is at its most fun. But I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of people that thought last year was it was pretty fun as far as just defense goes, just depending on your preferences. Okay, so you mentioned Quinn Ewers, Joe. Let's expand that conversation and talk about Texas as a whole. What is your expectation for that program in 2022? Because Ewers was not the only high-impact transfer they brought in. They obviously recruit well every single year, but it also seems like every single year we're having the exact same conversation about this program, which is they come in with high expectations and they never come anywhere close to meeting those expectations. So are you expecting that there will be more gas or more breaks in Austin this fall? Uh, a few less breaks. I mean, I, I think they can get over Kansas this year. I think they can get over that hump. <laughs> I, I feel, I, I, and I'm not even like I. part of that is me just, you know, joking around. But also, I mean, Kansas, I think Kansas is going, not, not surprise people in that they're going to make a bowl game but I think they're going to give a lot more teams a game this year. So if Texas struggles again again against Kansas, it just could be uh, a lot of fodder for us, but I like the direction of that program. But as far as your question about Texas, I mean, I think for, for this team, I think eight, nine wins is reasonable. I mean, they've, they've done well getting guys out of the transfer portal. The thing that really, and I, I say the ceiling is probably, or not ceiling, but the ex, a good expectation I feel like is nine wins. But just the stuff that's coming out of Austin with some of the, uh, you know, infighting between you know, uh, Sarkeesian and his players, you know, with, with some of these quotes that have been put out there in, you know, Texas media sessions. But, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a program that is quite as uh, maybe cohesive as they would like to be. The, the, the company line has not quite been communicated to everybody. Um so don't love that. That's always a kind of a telltale sign of a of a program that's 
I mean, the, things are getting testy, and you know, I'm not saying that Sarkeesian's going to lose his job this year, but they they better hope that this is the year that it actually does come together because things could get. I mean, they already are pretty dicey um, in Austin, but I, I feel like if if this doesn't if this isn't what kind of puts them back into uh, being a team that can at least get to Arlington for the Big Twelve Championship, I mean, you might be looking at another Texas coaching search. Could happen, man. And I, if that happens, I'm never going to say a Longhorn coaching hire looks like a good hire ever again. Ever. Because I've done that a couple times. And, uh, you know, Sark, when you think about last year losing to Kansas, you had Gia the Monkey and the Pole Assassin. You know, you've got him trying to tell, um, you know, people, uh, boosters coming to say, hey, hey, you're good. Don't worry about things. Everything's good. You know, boosters coming to practice. Same old Texas. Same old Texas. So we'll see. Hey, Joe, good stuff. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Joe Batner, publisher, Eyes on Oklahoma. It's a, a Sooner football newsletter and also incorporates other sports as well. It's got a podcast rolling out of that also. So uh, Joe does a great job. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back one more segment before locked in at 2 o'clock here on The Ref. All right, we're back. Our final segment here on Steel Man and Thune at noon, approaching 2 o'clock. That means it's time to get locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your uh, Wednesday is going well. By the way, Beach and Bites is back at Riverwind this summer. We are looking at some great shows out there outdoors with all the incredible food trucks, retail vendors, a fireworks show in July as well. We'll kick it off May 28th with Night Ranger and Starship with Mickey Thomas. First show out, you can get your tickets online. Only $5 for individual ticket at Riverwind.com. That's a heck of a deal. Heck of a deal. Night Ranger and Starship, first show out again on May 28th. June 18th, Everclear with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. July 9th, the Randy Rogers Band, followed by the Fireworks Show. And Scotty McCreary on July 30th. Great time, great. Uh, all the local food trucks that you know and love are out there. You've got retail vendors. You can bring your pet out there. They just ask you to clean up after your pet. But you can have a great time at Beats and Bites Outdoors, back for its sixth year. The Beats and Bites Festival. Brought to you by Coupale Works and Riverwind Casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. You want to get to the uh, the text line? How do you want to wrap it up today? We've got media veils happening over in Norman again today. DeMarco Murray meeting the media. Chris Murray meeting the media. Uh, oh, we got both Murrays. Yeah, we got it's a it's a Murray kind of Wednesday and more. So Murray family reunion. Uh, <laughs> one listener says on the text line, Baker would be a good fit in the XFL. He likes drama and theatrics. Well, uh, I see what you I see where you're going there. So I uh, let's let's hope that Baker uh, establishes himself somewhere as a quarterback. He did say that um, if it would have been a couple weeks ago, he thought initially he would be going to Indianapolis. That obviously did not work out, and he thinks maybe. Seattle, but he doesn't know, said he's just ready for his next chapter. So, didn't Jim Kelly play in the USFL? He did. He played with the uh, Houston Gamblers for uh, Mouse Davis before he had all that success in Buffalo. Air Comfort Solutions text line once again. Who wins a national championship next going forward between OU and Ohio State? 
man, that's tough. That is tough. There's a very compelling case for both. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I would lean towards Ohio State. I don't want to be a total homer here, but you know, because we think that Oklahoma's headed in a very positive direction. Uh, you know what I'm saying? A very positive direction with Brent, but we haven't seen it yet. But I feel confident you're going to see some really good stuff once they get on the field. But Ohio State, you know, you've got an established coaching staff there. They've got a you know good quarterback. They've got they did lose some receivers though. But guess what? Ohio State usually reloads. They do. I just my thing with Ohio State is I question, and I, I've said it before on this show. I question whether any tank. Any team save for Notre Dame is going to be able to win a national championship from outside the new SEC. That is the concern that I have. Notre Dame is the one team that I believe is headed in a direction where they're going to be able to compete with the new SEC. I think Ohio State, Mike, may be headed for an era where they are in a similar position to where Oklahoma has been over the last five years. Well, over the last 20 years, but over why the last Notre five Dame? years in particular. Just Marcus well, Freeman fan or what? Yeah, well, Marcus Freeman uh, is a big reason why. And also, I just think Notre Dame, with everything that it has going for it as a program, if that job is done right, I believe it is the best job in college football and can become the easiest job in college football. Now, I worry with Ohio State that they're going to become exactly what Oklahoma has been over the last five years, which is kind of, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. You know, they get there, they're there every year, every single offseason you're putting them in the preseason top five, but once they get to that big stage and they got to go toe-to-toe with a program the likes of an Alabama or a Georgia or a 2019 LSU, they falter. I don't question that Ohio State is in a really, really good position to win a lot of games over the next few years. But I question whether all those wins translate to a national championship. How long has it been since Cardell Jones? 2014, so eight years. Man. I mean, that was just kind of the perfect storm. You couldn't have scripted that, the way that that national championship season unfolded for Ohio State. Who would have imagined that any team, let alone a Big Ten team, would win a national title with a third-string quarterback. So credit to Urban Meyer and credit to Cardell Jones and Zeke Elliott and everybody that was involved with Mm -hmm. that national title team at Ohio State in 2014, but that was never really the type of thing that was replicable. It was just a unique conglomeration of circumstances where everything kind of fell into place. No doubt. But, yeah, that was crazy, and remember people were – Talking about, well, Cardell Jones, man, he's got an NFL career ahead of him now. and Didn't work out that way. No, it didn't. Didn't work out for any of those Ohio State quarterbacks. Braxton Miller didn't crack it. JT Mm-mm. Barrett didn't crack it. Yeah. Uh, D- Dwayne Haskins, obviously, that end- ended tragically. Yeah. God, but... it was a horrible deal. What a horrible deal. All right. Uh, we got to get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for all the texts today. Thank you very much. We've got uh, locked in a complete hour of mainly Sooner football. So I know you're going to love that. It's like the steak without any side dishes at all. And some people just want the steak. I get it. So Parker and uh, Tyler McComas is going to have that for you. The rush, obviously, coming up a little bit later with Teddy and Tyler at 3 o'clock. Ooh, oh. you, just, you just reminded me. I got a chunk of New York strip in my fridge that I was going to make steak and eggs with this morning. And I I've completely forgot. Well, there's there's tomorrow. Yes, that's what tomorrow's for. 
tomorrow at Steak Thursday. That's what it'll be. That sounds good, actually. All right. Got to get out of here. Thanks again to Joe Bettner. Thanks to Brandon Urbar. Thanks to you guys and you ladies out there for listening and texting today. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Hour number two, exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Get locked in next here on The Ref.